Hello, and you're very welcome to The Week That Really Was with John McGurk and Sarah Ryan. It is the 29th of June, 2023. It's Thursday evening. We're recording this. And as we are, the headline on the Irish Times reads that RTE's presentation of Tuberty payments was designed to deceive, Chair tells Public Accounts Committee. That, folks, has been the story that has dominated the week. We learned this evening, Sarah, that apparently not only was Ryan Tuberty being paid out of this barter account, but also people were getting Champions League tickets rugby tickets, spending of about 1.5 million in total, which isn't accounted for and was not accounted for anywhere in RTE's accounts. Um, RTE's credibility is totally shot, isn't it? Yeah, big time. I should, I, have think, um, I, should, I should have said hello. I should have said yeah. hello. Hi, hello. how are you? Um, <laughs> but, but let's get into it. RTE's credibility. Let's just get into it. Exactly. I mean, I think RTE is in big trouble. I think that surprising uh, I'm surprised by the profile of people who've said to me in the last few days about their TV license. Um, I think RT has had problems for a long, long, long time. You know, that goes without saying. I don't actually think personally that some of those salaries are at face value particularly offensive. That's just personally speaking. Um, because I think that, you know, people in media in the UK and I know it's bigger and all that but still I mean some of the biggest shows and the biggest profile jobs in the country fine but I think that the lying the deliberate lying the way they've gone about it and there's you know and I I really don't use this word lightly but the sheer content that's been shown for the public towards the public is galling and I think that it is really going to take years and years and years for any trust to be built back um, with the public after this I think they've lost all credibility and it's even gone beyond that I think people are justifiably really angry um, that this has gone on and like tickets and bums and everything like listen you know I I grew up in a Fianna Fáil family and you know my dad was a TV and all of that and, um, and I canvassed since I was probably you know knee high whatever and I know how long it takes for a perception of any kind of corruption or whatever to go away, and um, and I think this is an this this is the equivalent. It's the you know brown envelopes, go away racist tent. This all this shtick. This will go on for years, and I, I really expect. And I, I don't know actually, is this even how does this work, or would this be available? How many people next year will pay their TV license relative to this year? Well, I don't pay it. I, yeah. I, I, I I have never paid it ever since I've been an independent adult. Not out of any particular sense of hatred for RT or anything like that. I just don't watch it. Years ago, I realized that my general mental health was improved by not watching any RTE programming or not. Generally, <laughs> no, it's super be, annoying sometimes because sometimes yeah. I'm like to you, did you watch this thing? You're like, I don't watch it. And I'm like, oh. Oh. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, like, I, 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 I'm not a cheapskate. I pay for the TV uh, I watch. I have BT Sports subscription, Sky Sports subscription. Uh, uh, you can't believe it's not yeah. sports subscription. I, I, yeah, I have no problem. Netflix, Amazon, pay for all the stuff I watch. Don't watch RTE. Yeah. I think it's absurd that I should have to pay for other people to watch crap programs. Um, yeah. So I just don't do it on principle. I've never, got, you know, I've always been open about it, and they've never prosecuted me. Um, and do you do you get does anyone ever knock on the door like how does no, that work no no i mean this is the thing it's like everything else in ireland there's there's the the enforcement of this these things is actually very lax anyway so i've never so much as had a, a letter in the door or a or a knock on the door or anything saying you know you need to pay this so but there definitely are people who are prosecuted because well not i live oh, in there the are. 
There I lived are... in an apartment in Dundrum like a few years ago and um, I remember I, I'd moved out and the person who moved in, like I didn't even live there for a full year and the person who moved in said to me, oh, we got a, a notification that the TV license inspector had knocked on the door and I was like, all right, what's your problem there, mate? But it definitely happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but I people def- do get prosecuted. It does happen and it has, it, all I'm saying is it hasn't happened to me. Uh, but right. to be honest with you, I think that I think the most you get is like two nights in the slammer, which is probably worth 160 euro or whatever it is anyway. So, so I mean, that's that's my personal position. It's my personal choice. I'm not trying to encourage anyone else yeah. what to do or not do. But my view for many years has been that this should be abolished. Uh, I think the existence of a national broadcaster that is fully taxpayer funded uh, is an absurdity in these days. Anyway, there are many, many different media options people have, even in Ireland. I don't know what RT News does much better than Virgin Media News does. And that's not saying I'm a fan of, of, of what they do. But, you know, it, for me, this could be done on a much smaller scale, uh, providing a national news service. I don't think the country needs Fair City or Winning Streak or Nationwide or those programs. What we need, essentially, if you're going to have a national broadcaster i think you could have one that was funded by advertising revenue that just did news and current affairs um i you know it's such a bloated organization the late late show has been going on for 40 40 odd years now it's not getting any better um no disrespect to patrick keelty who's taking it over maybe he'll do a better job but i mean i don't know i don't know i mean you said you didn't object to the salaries but i don't know how you can justify paying ryan toberty half a million quid a year i don't know how you can justify that his performance and, and let's be honest here, his performance doesn't warrant it. The Late Late Show has been hemorrhaging viewers and credibility and respect for over the time he's been the host. His radio show is no great shakes in terms of the listeners it brings in. And yet he's he, he's unt- so important to RTE that they have to imperil their own financial integrity by tossing cash at him. And I'm not having a go at Ryan Turberty as a person. I'm sure he's a lovely guy. But I don't know how he is worth that kind of money. There's a lot more talented people who aren't getting paid anything like that. And there's a lot of people with a lot more responsibility, like the Taoiseach, who aren't getting paid half of what he's being paid. So I, I, I don't understand what the thinking was, and I don't understand um, how how it has come to this kind of farcical situation where you have people in RTE who are saying, I don't know what I was being paid, um, as one of them did to the, to the Public Affairs Committee today, Public Accounts Committee, I should say, today. Um, well, I think that, I think that like this, there's a few things there like one of the things that I was struck by and and you know when I and I've talked about it on this podcast before you know worked in places like Scottish and Southern Energy in the UK and like big 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 kind of companies um, and one of the things the areas that I used to work in um, was about kind of like change within the organization whether that was IT tech or very often cultural change, whatever that might be. And I was thinking a lot about that today. And like, you know, companies have cultures, whether they realize them or not, that develop over years and years and years. And like, you know, one of the cultures that existed within Scottish and Southern within their engineers and the guys who used to go out was that they were really proud of the fact that they're, they're that they were the guys who kept the lights on and they went out in the rain and they did this and they did that. And there was a real cultural, there was an integrity in the work that they they did this work and they were proud of it and as they ought to be. And I think that over time, it's very difficult for me, like when I play that out in my mind, not to think that the culture of an organization like Orti 
declines in the sense that if you have no concern about the bottom line finances, that you always know money is coming, mm-hmm. that you don't have to worry about the money, that it's just comes from the magic mountain of money tree that flows down from above. And you never, ever, ever have to think, oh, well, that show was shit and it didn't bring in any revenue. So we'll get rid of that. And that shows for hemorrhaging, hemorrhaging viewers and we'll get rid of that or whatever. Like, I was on a show in TV3 for seven years. It was midday women's talk show when I was on it. It evolved into the Elaine show. It's gone now. But I was on that show for seven years. Like, you know, we knew about ad revenue. We knew about who was watching when, what what worked well, what didn't work well. There was a there was like an awareness of what people wanted or didn't want to listen to or what did or didn't work. And if you and that's because that was through it was TV3 at the time. It's Virgin now, whatever. But it's commercial. That ultimately what it boils down to is the commercial commercial element to what you're doing. And if you lack the commercial element, which I think for a large part RTE does, that the culture becomes, it's almost impossible for there not to do, evolve into a devil may care attitude about money because mm-hmm. it's not real. It's not it's not important. It's not about it's it doesn't matter. And so you have a fund where you're buying Premier League tickets or whatever, or you're robbing from Peter to pay Paul to pay this person. And, you know, you know, saying that they're taking cuts when they're not and moving all this money around. It, but it's like monopoly money. It's not real because it's coming, like I say, from the magical money tree. And I think that that's what we're seeing right now. Like the idea, John, like I could tell you what salary I was on for every year of my 20s. If I sat down with a pen and paper now and every year of my 30s, I could tell you what my salary was every year for the last, well, I'm, th- I'm nearly 40. For the last 20 years, I could tell you what I was earning roughly to the, you know, to the closest hundred or thousand. I was going to say, I nearly said hundred thousand. I was never on hundred thousand, <laughs> but, but to, the, to the closest 500 quid, I'd say I could boil down what I earned when I was 20, 21, 22, 23, up until today. And the idea that somebody at a senior level in RTE doesn't know how much they're on is is not just absurd, but it is offensive to the country's sensibilities. Mm-hmm. Like honestly, do they think that we're idiots? And and yeah. and, and 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 if he's and, and I don't want to accuse anybody of lying. So assuming he is telling the truth, that tells you everything you need to know about the culture yeah. of of money. Like because because when I've earned. You know, and I've had different salaries in my life, but like when I earn have earned good, good salaries, like say the highest salaries that I've earned, I walk around that job. And sometimes like I was actually talking to my sister about this a while ago because she was interviewing for different jobs. And I was saying to her, sometimes the big salary feels great when you just get a new job, but then it feels like a kind of a a thing above your head the whole time that like you have to add value, mm-hmm. add value, add value. Like I'm on this. I like, am I adding this amount of value every year? Am yeah. I adding this? Am I adding that? Like, like you feel like there's a kind of a, like a, um, a what's the word? Like a, you know, because you're kind every, of a target. There's a target on your back. And it, everyone, a target it, of, of a hundred grand or whatever it is, 150 grand on your back. And everybody is going, well, is she good? But is she, is she 150 grand good or whatever the guy in order to you, mm-hmm. 250 or whatever. And that you, you come from, if you come from a commercial mindset, you know how much you are because you're trying to uh, like, obviously not just match your value in terms of your salary, but more. And so if you don't even know how much you're on and believe, assuming we believe that, it speaks volumes about the culture around money. 
which is yeah. that it's not real. It doesn't matter. I'm on something like that. Who cares? Let's all go to Premier League matches. Uh, let's move money around in this random account. Let's have senior people in order to come in and be questioned by a committee and they've never even heard of this account. I mean, what the hell is going on? Yeah, it's bananas. I mean, I think for me, it's it's this fetishization of RTE that's at the root of the problem. Because every time they come cap in hand to the doll looking for an increase in TV license fee, it's, oh, well, our work is vital. Our public service broadcasting is essential to the to the survival of the nation and the survival of our democracy. And you, we we must be funded. We are we are utterly essential to the very fibre of the state. That is the attitude they take. And as a result of that, they know that um, while that is sort of politically believed and politically accepted, you know, they, they can't fail. They're too big to fail. So they can they can do what they want. Even now, I think there's a sense of that. Even now today, in the midst of this crisis, there's a sense there's a sense that, yeah, it's, it's very embarrassing and we messed it up and we betrayed the public's trust. But at the end of the day, RTE will prevail because our public service broadcasting is so important and so valuable to the nation. Um, yeah. There's that. There's that sense, and I mean, I think you saw. I mean, one of the things that struck me during the week was, and we want to talk a little bit about some of the some of the people in RTE who aren't villains, the sort of regional correspondents who've been out protesting and yeah. saying how terrible, yeah. terrible all this is. But there's almost a sense from those people. Before I praise them, I'll criticize them that you know this this scandal shows how we should actually get more money to do more of our important public service broadcasting because we can't get crews or we can't get this, that, or the other. Just on that, by the way, this business in RTE and crewing and, and resourcing. You will remember, uh, Sarah, when you were doing your show on Virgin Media, and or TV3 as it was, and I was a regular for, for many years on Vincent Brown's show when he was doing his on, on TV3. You will remember the difference going into a Virgin Media studio to going into an RTE studio. There yeah. was, if you go into an RTE studio, and I have no disrespect for any of these people, but as a fact, there are three or four cameramen in the studio. The makeup department is is enormous. You've got all the bells and whistles. Whereas if you go into Virgin Media, they're doing pretty much the same thing with remote control cameras operated by one guy, one makeup artist, um, mm-hmm. and, and, and a research staff on every program of maybe about two people who are also working on three other programs. The scale yeah. of the resources that the people in RTE have is so big that I don't think they they talk about being underfunded. They have no idea what people in other media organizations are dealing with. I remember, and I I can't say who it is because I, I you know I think they're still there. But I remember when Pat Kenny moved to News Talk, there were many rumors, some of which I heard, that he was absolutely shocked at how you know how how limited his resources were in News Talk in terms of production team compared to what he had in RTE. It was a culture shock for him. And, and he's done, by the way, a great job of not having a go at Pat Kenny. But, I mean, yeah. RTE don't realize how well they are resourced. I think the ordinary staff member doesn't realize how well the organization is resourced. Um, and they're just tossing money left, right, and center um, with no regard to it because they know the state and the taxpayer will all, 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 all bail them out. And I think it's time the taxpayer said no more. Um, well, that's also the other thing that struck me about, you know, and again, like, you're you're right like in what you're saying that like there's no like if you were and um, I'm sure you know you've had different career chapters like myself and like mm-hmm. obviously neither of us have ever been called in front of like a government committee like this but I've certainly been called into meetings and had crisis meetings of different levels in my career and I didn't get the sense like like 
I was reminded of one in particular where years ago I was you know managing a project that was kind of not really working and there was all these crisis talks and I'm not going to get into who it was with or whatever but it was quite a senior company and I was you know very early on in being kind of at manager level and I can remember being in the lift going up to these meetings and like not to be whatever but like sweating in my tights you know like in in the lift and I can remember like sweat like sweating and you know getting a coffee and being like oh you know kind of feeling sick and like not being able to eat you know like just like proper like nervous going into a meeting where I was going to have to defend you know the results of project or whatever it was and I didn't get that feeling of any person from RTE that went in there like it felt very much now I only dipped in and out but like not to harp on about the example of not knowing what salary you're on, but you would imagine that that would be something that you might ask before you went in front of a committee. You know what I mean? You might have your overwalia mm. done, as they say. Um, the idea that you would go in not knowing your salary when you're, the committee is investigating at a high level salaries, um, it, you know, as part of this whole thing um, is absurd. But it just didn't feel like anybody who went in there that I saw as I dipped in and out was nervous like on any level considering this to be any kind of existential you know thing for them personally or for the organization and it felt like they were all like fine you know not (laughs) particular oh yeah this is terrible I didn't even know about that that's shocking isn't it yeah well it it felt like to me like from day one of these hearings and day one really since the scandal broke which I think last I think we record on Thursdays I think it was 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 last Friday or last Thursday maybe when this broke about a week ago no it was kind of breaking like as we were doing the podcast remember yes it was like an hour before or something Mm. yeah but but from day one my sense was well no from day two when it came out that D Forbes had been suspended and then she subsequently resigned it's very clear to me that the the senior people in RTE have have basically decided that this was all D Forbes's fault we had (laughs) the we had the absurd statement during the week that D Forbes and D Forbes alone was the only person who could have known about this arrangement with Ryan Tuberty. Part obviously yeah. from Ryan Tuberty, who didn't disclose yeah. it and allowed and allowed false salary figures for himself to be published for a number of years. Um and, and that seems Maybe to be he didn't know what he was on either, John. Uh, eminently possible. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. But the idea that that the Director General was the only person who knew about this doesn't stand up to the most basic scrutiny because, like you. We both worked in relatively senior positions in private sector organizations. Contracts are memorialized by lawyers. Lawyers know what, what, what's in them because they draft them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They, they're known by the financial department. I mean, the only person um, who knows my salary, other than the person I negotiated with and the lawyers who signed, who signed the contract, is the person who pays it every week. They know what I earn because mm-hmm. they pay it every week. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, mm-hmm. and that's the same in, 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 in every company. So you've got the financial department, the legal department, the director general. And one would think for a very major, for a very major hire like that, we're talking about about you know half a million a year, which is a substantial salary for anybody. He's, he's one of the highest paid public servants in the country. You would think this would go through some approval outside of one person. I mean, we're being led to believe that the financial mismanagement in RTE is so bad that the director general was able to sign off on enormous payments totaling hundreds of thousands of euros without anybody else being aware of it, and that is RTE's excuse. That's their excuse. There's, you know, don't blame us. It was all it was all this person who's now conveniently resigned and too sick to attend the committee. I mean, pull <laughs> the other one. 
pull the oven. I also, I also just think that, like, unfortunately for RTE, we're like, you know, like, there's definitely been, and I might be saying the wrong amount of years, it's probably way more, but like, we've had years of, like, lessons have been learned kind of like you know clusterfucks pardon the expression and yeah. so i think the irish public me included have just had enough to our tits with I, being like okay kevin backers is going to carry out a full reconstitution of the orchie executive so what the board intends to uh, print the top 100 salaries so what like I, we're, we're just we're just way past the we're going to reflect on this for a while and then lessons have been learned and this will never happen again. It's just everybody in Ireland now knows that that's just code for we're going to go quiet for a while. Hope you forget. Wait for someone else to create a huge scandal that blows this one out of the water and then go back to business as usual like we always do. Isn't that the Irish way? I, I posted on my Twitter during the week uh, uh, something that our friend Jason O'Mahony had written in 2009 called The Occasional Guide to the Irish the Irish <laughs> politics, the scandal, I and I reckon so I funny. really recommend everyone reads it. But I, I loved oh, the man. fact that point two is that uh, public gasps at details. Fintan O'Toole writes a pity piece, which explains <laughs> the cogent details very succinctly, and then drizzles it in extra virgin head shaking, like a nice salad. <laughs> and the next day after I posted that tweet, Fintan O'Toole published Ryan Tuberty sh- chose silence instead of speaking out and extended silence. <laughs> I mean, you can script, you can script these scandals. I mean, we are going to get, we are, we, we, you can already see with the scapegoating and the D Forbes. So <laughs> it is, isn't it? It's so, it's so, like it's, just also, it's so predictable. <laughs> like I used to get annoyed and now I'm just kind of like, I've just kind of like gone, oh yeah. I, look, it won't be. It won't deserve be that long. It. No, we deserve it. We deserve it. It won't be that we long. Deserve t- it. It won't be that long till we get the inquiry. There'll be an inquiry. <laughs> there'll be and 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 a review, and and you know, and at the end of that review, somebody will utter the words that lessons have been learned. It is inevitable, <laughs> and within 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 oh. a, within a cat, I'd give it. What do you think? Eighteen months before there's talk of a license fee increase again. I mean, the, the, not, this is the thing. I think this is another reason why people are angry is because the sense that this is so, and we, we talked about it a little bit before the show, the sense that this kind of thing is so widespread in Irish society um, yeah. that, that that these kinds of scandals happen over and over again and that it is inflicted upon, it is inflicted by one kind of social class upon the rest of us. I mean, we had the other story last week um, or the week before of the, of the people in a very leafy suburb in South Dublin, essentially blackmailing developers into forking oh, yeah. 250 grand so the houses could be built. Turned out they were eminent lawyers and eminent lecturers and what have you involved. Um, you had the whole Anglo thing. I mean, there's this sense that, you know, Paddy Cosgrave is not somebody I see eye to eye with at all. But he often, uh, he, he gets a lot of traction when he talks about the cronyism culture in Ireland. And it's there. I mean, it is, it's just, it's undeniably there. Um, but also, like, the, they're like, you know, me and my brother used to, like, laugh. Used to, you know the way, like, siblings who get these kind of shticks between each other and, like, 
uh, my brother and I used to say to each other all the time, he used to say to me, we used to joke about RT is the virus during COVID. And, yes, you know, this was yeah. this whole thing, like RT is the virus. And he used to just say to me all the time, we go laugh, like RT is the virus. And in the last few days, I keep thinking about that being like, maybe we were in the wrong, maybe we are you know, jokes on us, maybe RT is the virus. Like, because yeah. this is a virus. This is a, a toxic cesspit of nonsense. So maybe it is the virus. Maybe some of these people are right. Well, I we haven't. We, we haven't. Anymore. We have. I mean, the thing that the thing that made me angriest of all during the week, and, and mo- most of this, I'm like you. Most of this didn't make me angry. But the thing that made me angriest of all during the week, and this is sort of like how how Irish society works at at the higher levels, at the sort of you know influencer level, politics journalism, was Claire Byrne coming on the radio <laughs> to to openly and honestly tell the public that she was paid 280,000 euros a year and she wanted to be open and transparent with us. Come on. 280 grand a year for what? This is the woman who during COVID was rightly renamed by half the population Scareburn because she <laughs> she's paid 280 grand to hold the government and the state and the public health authorities to account. And instead, she did performative broadcasting from a garden shed and basically said that you know, any the only criticism she ever leveled against Tony Holohan was that he wasn't locking us up for long enough. I mean, you know, the, the, and, and now all of a sudden she's a hero because she's bravely admitted that she's paid 280 grand a year. I mean, there, there's no... Scrutiny. That wasn't also, but, but, but also, like, let's when you be under no illusion. That wasn't for us. That was for her. Like, that was self-serving that's her saving her own skin getting out quickly out of the traps yeah. to, to to show so she the, the idea that like she's kind of and i heard people talking about it afterwards and, and you say there is that lovey thing about orty and isn't it wonderful and you know whatever I'm like isn't she great that she came out why she came out to save her own skin yes to remove herself completely from the firing line of any potential scandal or any potential fallout yeah. i'm and she different went on with her programming i'm, I'm different. different i'm special I'm, I'm still the i'm still the lovely girl that you all love and so that's what that was for. What I what I will say, John, and, and like, you know, like there was there's not a lot of things that made me angry or whatever. But I what I will say is that from an organizational point of view, you know, it's easy to remember or to forget that there's loads of people who work in order to at much lower levels on low salaries who've been told for the last few years that they're not entitled to, you know, certain types of maternity benefits, full contracts, you know, uh, projects that haven't been taken off the ground because of money or whatever. And I think they're right to be really angry and I don't blame them. And, you know, the like the kind of like the notion of like, you know, the talent being looked after and, you know, the plebs who work in RTE kind of being told we don't, we're, we're, you know, we're in financial crisis and we're making cuts and we're doing that when they're spending, what was the full amount, 1.5 million of that fund on um, tickets and nonsense. Come on, like this is shameful. And I don't blame those employees um, for being really, really, really angry. I was struck. Um, by the, I was struck by the bitterness of some of them. I I, I heard it, yeah. but I I don't want to single anyone out for for yeah. praise or criticism. But I was, I was struck by some um, people at the event. Emma O'Kelly organized. Emma O'Kelly is the education correspondent. I think she's a prominent member of the union. Nor she, but she organized this. Event. I was struck the bitterness. Struck by the bitterness of some of the language, which made me believe that there's a lot of long term resentment simmering there as well. 
it wasn't only about Ryan Tuberty. I mean, I, do you think Ryan Tuberty can come back? Because it struck me that there was so much resentment directed at him and his arrangement from ordinary RTE staff that this must have been festering, I thought, for quite a while. I mean, I haven't heard any RTE people come out to defend him or say what a great guy he is, which may be unfair. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm I'm kind of watching that. Like, it's like, it reminded me of Keith and I were talking about it the other day um, because he was saying, oh, you know, about, like, why are this, why are they so kind of particularly angry and, you know, some of those, the RT employees or whatever. And he said that he thought it was a bit personal and a little bit like, you know, the, the level of vitriol was pretty high or whatever. And um, it, I think it remains to be seen whether that's a Ryan Tuberty thing or an RTE thing or a bit of both, because mm-hmm. I didn't notice it. Do you know what it reminded me? I, I, that's what I was saying to Keith. You know, when a minister um, from any party um, gets, and I'm not going to name any names, but if you pay attention, like when a minister from any party gets into some kind of crisis, and there's been a load of them in the last five or five to 10 years who've lost their positions in different portfolios, you can always tell who's more popular with their colleagues than others. Mm-hmm. Because you see, and you're, and with journalists, because you can tell by the tone of when people come out, do they come out wholeheartedly for them? Do they, is there a lackluster kind of, you know, you can always tell who's popular and who's not. And I was thinking about that the other day and thinking, God, like, is there, is he not that personally popular in RTE with, you know, other people? Or is this just that the level of toxicity against RTE in general is so high that he's just getting kind of washed away with, with the bathwater or whatever? Like I said, to keep, you know, this Ren, these Renault events. And it's it, one of the things with that, one of the events that was run, just the event that was run was 47 grand. Mm-hmm. And I said to Keith, like, I guarantee you that if you go through the last five years in RTE, that there was somebody, some contractor, some person or two, um, whose salary for the year was 47 grand who were let go because of cuts. Yeah. And yet RTE, or spending 47 grand on a Renault event. So that, if you think about it, like if you lost your job or, you know, had a project cancelled that you were really passionately passionate about or whatever it was, that was 47 grand or in and around. And now you find out that events were being paid for for that amount, for this nonsense yeah. with Ryan Tuberty. And the, you the other, are full of rage. It, it's more than that because the, the original deal with Tuberty, of course, diverted money that was supposed to go to RTE directly from Renault into his personal bank account. That's what yeah. happened, uh, and yeah. then then Renault stopped paying, so he had to cover it out of their their um, slush fund or barter account. Anyway, look, we've talked about it a lot. Um, there's a lot more to say. We could do the whole show on it, but by the end of it, the steam might be coming out of both of our ears. So we'll move on and talk about crime. <laughs> yeah, because that's another one. Because this week we had um, a Ukrainian uh, actor who uh, got into a disagreement. Uh, about cigarettes, I think. I, I presume reading between the lines, somebody asked him for a cigarette or his lighter or he asked the wrong person for a light or a cigarette. Anyway, he ended up, because this is the Dublin city that we have now, he ended up in hospital in Dublin with um, bottle wounds and bite marks all over him. Um, a terrible incident. You said um, something interesting about this on Twitter during the week. I won't quote it back to you. You can t- You can repeat it because I thought it was interesting. Um, what that the that the city centre has gone to the dogs in the last like two years and or three years, but specific particularly since COVID. 
and nothing's been done about it. Did you not say something along the lines, or maybe I'm imagining this, maybe it wasn't you, and if it wasn't you, then I apologise to the person who to whom I have attributed this idea. Was it not something along the lines of that if this guy, this Ukrainian actor, had been a, a member of oh, the Oh, this right was class. me. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah, Sorry. Us. I commented on my on my tweet down below. No, I said that if the people biting and smashing bottles over his head had used had used the incorrect pronouns, the government would have launched some kind of an inquiry into it because that's the stuff they care about. Yeah. But they clearly care not a dot about the city centre because, like, I went to the, attended the King's Inns last year when I was pregnant and so I started it, it was part because of COVID it was still partly remote partly in person so there was periods of time like September October November that were mostly in person and then you know different months or whatever so but when it started in October I remember driving in to Henrietta Street so for people who don't know kind of like the back of Parnell Street and I was so shocked at the level of like just chaos that was on the road like on the in the times I was driving into Henrietta Street on more than one occasion and um, I thought I was about to be mugged people would come up to me you know like right up into your face if you got to smoke uh stop my car one day to wait for two junkies fist fighting on the street um just really bad vibes really unsafe vibes to the point where in the winter, like I was driving because I was really heavily pregnant by the end. And um, uh, Keith um, ended up paying, you know, the way some places you can kind of rent a car parking space. Mm. And he found a car parking space really near to uh, King's Inns because King's Inns charge a huge amount of money to park in there, mm. even though you're already paying them a lot of money to attend. But that's a whole other show. Um and he paid for a parking space for me for the two or three months that was left because I felt so, and obviously you feel more vulnerable when you're pregnant anyway, but like I just felt really unsafe in town. And then a few weeks ago, I met um, a couple of people from my class actually for a drink in Cable Street. And we ended up going to Mountjoy Square to this, um, as an aside, really good Mexican restaurant that was there. So we walked from Cable Street to Mountjoy Square. And John, honest to God, the amount of times I thought we were about to be mugged or people came over and I'm five foot ten and the other two, one of the other girls five foot ten and the other girl six foot. And so I remember thinking if there wasn't three of us and we weren't all tall, like I 100% we were going to be mugged or beaten up or whatever. There was just a number of incidents along the way of people coming over, whatever, hassle, like, you know, asking for things, whatever. And it just the whole vibe of the city centre was appalling. And well, this is just another iteration of it. Like, it's not a new thing, but there's nothing changing. Like, as far as I can see, something happened in COVID. There was definitely a shift. And now I think the city centre does not feel safe. And just to finish, that night that I went over to Mount Joy, from Cable Street to Mount Joy Square with three girls, it was a Friday night. And the Saturday more, the next day, I actually went to a hen party in Belfast. And... um. I remember being in the city set in the middle of Belfast was the the hen was a lot younger than I and they were all it was late like it was half one two o'clock in the morning they were going on to another nightclub and I was like guys I'm done I'm going home and one of the girls was like oh we'll get someone to walk you back in there and I was like no no it's cool I'm totally fine it was a five eight minute walk and I felt 100% safer in Belfast walking from the nightclub outside a nightclub back to our hotel than I did in Dublin 
like 100% safer. I'm not saying that nothing happens in Belfast. I'm just saying that there's been a, an atmospheric change in Dublin city centre as far as I can see. And I grew up in Dublin and I've been going out nights out in Dublin for my whole adult life. And something has shifted. And, you know, we're supposed to have the Taoiseach and the Minister for Justice are supposed to be the party of law and order. It's it, laughable. But like they're not doing anything about it as far as I can see. I'll tell you what I think. I am recording this podcast. I'm chatting to you this evening, Sarah, from um, Wroclaw, spelled Wroclaw. Um, the, the, the Poles pronounce things funny. But anyway, I'm I'm from Wroclaw, <laughs> in Wroclaw in Poland. And I've just been in Krakow, two cities um, in, in a country in Europe, which I think it's fair to say the average Irish person probably assumes to be a lot poorer and worse off than Ireland is. Yeah. Um, and they would, both of them will put Dublin to, sh- to shame. I've walked around two cities. I haven't smelled piss once. Um, I haven't seen any antisocial behavior. I haven't, even the design of the place, I haven't seen bollards everywhere. I haven't seen the whole place polluted with signs. I haven't seen any antisocial behavior. There's drinking and there's pubs. And in fact, there's open air dining almost everywhere. Maybe the weather's a factor. The cities are beautiful. They're well-maintained. They are clean uh, in the city center. You cannot walk down O'Connell Street at the moment without encountering some kind of human excrement of either variety um yeah, hitting you in the nostrils yeah that uh, was you, another thing about that henry that whole area was just and especially like if you were going into lectures you'd be going in at half eight in the morning the stink Piss. the stink uh, Piss it, it, you know if you if you're lucky yeah if you're if it, it, this like where is the pride in our capital city um and it's not just our capital city because the same is true of limerick the same is true in parts of cork um, I, I haven't been to Galway recently, so I can't speak to that. But in in over the last ten years, there has been this increasing tolerance of just scumbag behaviour. There's no other word for it. Scumbag is the only word word that that fits. Um, maybe yeah. the kids have have new, more up to date words now. But I saw a video this week, for example, leave the Ukrainian lad out of it, of a motorcycle being stolen in Dublin in broad daylight by somebody breaking a lock with a hammer. Um, the person who was videoing it obviously didn't feel safe enough to intervene, but in fairness, they were videoing it so that it could be recorded. And the fellow robbing the motorcycle, wearing a balaclava, threatened the individual videoing him with a hammer. In broad daylight, in along the quays, amongst in one of the most prestigious parts of Dublin, um, no guardie involved. Um, I, I don't know what's happening, but I think one thing, your tweet, stuck with me because the only time I ever see the Minister for Justice speaking about a crime is if there's an approved victim of a crime. If the victim is an LGBT person or an, or, or a migrant or from some other, or a traveller or from some other group against whom they wish to highlight um, negative attacks. And obviously it's terrible when those things happen to LGBT people or travellers or, or, or migrants. But where, where are you when all the other crimes are being committed? You know, the, these crimes are happening because they're also happening to lots of other people. People are being mm-hmm. um, terrorized in Dublin city centre. I know somebody who lives um, in, uh, in in sort of the East Wall area where there, was, where there were those protests last year about um, immigration. But they would also tell you that in, in many parts of the, of the inner city, there are young lads who are working for gangs who are terrorizing the locals. Um, and the government doesn't seem to give a hoot. Because it seems to me that the government has adopted this attitude that you see in Los Angeles and in, in San Francisco and in other American cities where, you know, basically, if there's crime, it's our fault because uh, it's been caused by social disadvantage. And the only way to fix it is with more social workers. 
uh, that's but also yeah yeah but also now we are we've gone even worse and that now we're taken to arresting guardy or charging guardy for dangerous driving when they actually endeavor to take out some of this yeah. carry on so i mean we're 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 you know burning the candle at both ends or whatever the hell like we're you know just making it as easy as possible to get away with things and as hard as possible to convict anyone who does something yeah, like just in case our listeners don't know of the case in which Sarah is referring oh, to, I, su- I assume they do. But basically what happened here was that there were there was a notorious gang of burglars who were fleeing from, from a Garda last year who decided to escape from him by driving the wrong way down a motorway. The Garda followed them. They had a crash. They all died. And the Garda is now being arrested for dangerous driving. Uh, so he's, he's been arrested. He's now being charged with dangerous driving. So, I mean, would you agree, Sarah, if you and I decided to take up armed robbery in the morning, that now we basically have a charter from the state that if we want to escape the Gardaí, we just drive the wrong way down a motorway and they can't follow us. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. effectively. But also, but it's also just like, I actually, when I tweeted about it during the week, I put up a video. I think it's the, I think it was the UK. I don't know where the video came from, but it was a video of a policeman. um, And he was kind of like sort of, dealing with this group of what look like probably drunk loutish kind of people three men or four men one woman and one of the men comes towards him or whatever and he literally just like in about four seconds you can go onto my twitter and watch it sweeps the legs from underneath one of the guys gets him down on the ground and then as the woman comes behind him and starts trying to he tasers her and it's just like i know it's like perverse but like it's kind of oddly satisfying to watch because it's just like you know that expression like f around and find out and we like don't seem there doesn't seem to be any fear whatsoever that anybody like who on what what is the you know a garda who, 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 who did that in ireland will probably end up being prosecuted That's... oh we're still talking about the guard who grabbed somebody by the scruff and was battening them during a riot on you know may day or whatever it was 15 years ago do you know what I mean? Oh my yeah. God! Like, there's there's like, a case there's a case going on at the moment, um, with the with the Garda uh, GSOC over the incident in Dublin last year, where a young man was parading around with a knife and threatening people with it, and threatened the Gardaí with it to their faces, and he ended up being shot and died. The Gardaí are being investigated yeah. for that. Um, yeah, uh, th- that's 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 ongoing. So I mean, you know, I, I I don't know what the Minister for Justice is doing. I know what she is doing. Which is no, no. She's doing a hate speech. It's, it's very important, John. It's yeah. very important. Hate speech bill Just, that doesn't have any definition for hate. That's important because do you know what? Next week, if that Ukrainian guy gets his head bit bashed in and 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 whatever, if he he could get those people charged if they use scary language towards him. If one of them had told, because him he certainly <laughs> he's, he's, he's yeah. He's, if one of them told him to go back to the Ukraine, he could get them charged. Then they won't get them charged for bashing his head in or biting him, but he could get them charged for hate speech. So you know, at least he'll have something available to him. Yeah, on that we'll finish on the on on a point related to the hate speech bill because one of the things in the hate speech bill that is really interesting is that it protects hate for quote ge- where 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 that hate is directed at people's gender including genders other than male or female, um, which is interesting because in Irish law, there is no gender recognized other than male or female. So 
this week I sent Ben Scallon along um, to ask the Taoiseach, uh, given that we're protecting genders other than male or female, could he tell us what those genders were? How many? Can we just? Can I just say? Can I just say as well though? Can you? It's really getting to the point now where we should. Can you imagine the voice in Leo or Mihal or whoever's head when they see Ben pop up? They must just be like. Oh shit! It's this guy again. <laughs> I know. What, what horrific, what horrifically simple but unanswerable question <laughs> is he going to ask us today? Oh, how many genders are there? Crapola! I yeah. don't have an answer. Well, oh, the, the answer like, is that the government doesn't have a position on how many genders there are. I mean, if you can't figure that one out, lads, quit. <laughs> it's 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 beyond. It's beyond. I mean, but the legislation doesn't define what hate is and doesn't define what gender is but it's a crime to hate somebody because of their gender i mean what but also you don't get to say you don't have a position on that when you've had a position on every other issue related to that in and around and upside down that issue for the last two years you don't get to just bow out now and say oh we don't have an opinion on that you're the reason why we're even having the conversation about it paul you had an issue. You had an opinion on it be on on trans people in women's prisons. You have a position on loads of things with this. So you can't just say you don't have a position now. Regina Doherty said there were nine genders. I really want Ben. I was going to say, it. was it her? Yeah. Yeah, I really want Ben to ask her to list them. Maybe they really should have do. a debate, her and Leo. Yes, about how many genders there are. But this is what they're focused on. I mean, the, the only reason I'm mentioning this because we talked a bit about the hate speech bill last week. I don't want to overdo it yeah but like yeah. they compare and contrast between what happened to that ukrainian fella and what the government is focused on which is inventing genders that it's a, a crime to insult inventing I mean, ways more ways to make it illegal for someone's feelings to be hurt basically. i mean i uh, look and but we but but meanwhile people getting their head bashed in is we 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 condemn it like uh, that's another thing you know, that's another thing that I really love these days. It's like, you know, when you see, I think, is it a symptom of like there being multiple parties in power? Because I don't think you used to get this when there was less government parties. But is this a symptom of like when you have multiple go- go- parties in government that like you just have all these TDs coming out and condemning things when they're in government? Yeah. Like we must. I, I condemn this. We must speak about this. We must speak. Yeah, mate, you're in government. Do something about it. Yeah, well, it, it comes back. To, it comes back to the point, the very perceptive point you made on the show like, a couple of weeks ago, which is that there's nobody really in charge. We've got. Oh yeah, yeah. To... When it's mommy and mommy and daddy are divorced, yeah. and they're both going to give you loads of presents to try and make you like them more, but ultimately you're going to end up fat, spoiled, and really unsatisfied with your life in general. Yeah, it, it, look, the state of the country is <laughs> is very poor, but it's funny. I mean, you, you, we've laughed a lot on this show talking about it. There'll probably be more laughter in weeks to come. But that's, but, because, I mean, that's because we've lost, we've lost hope. No, that's because we, that's because we're just no, we're cynical. We're a bit cynical this week. Do you know what? I, that's what it is. I think that the RT thing, it hasn't, it hasn't like, it hasn't bothered me that much. But there's, there's a, there's like a voice inside my head of cynicism that's been kind of confirmed or something. There's definitely something terrible about it for my for my optimism the thing is many of the people in this country who are in positions of respect and authority don't deserve any respect i think that's the thing that that, that is is going to it, it, it's true i mean the, the and uh, many uh, people who are in positions by the way the opposite is also true that there are people who do 
and you know I mentioned this before I actually touched on it again today the guys who you know engineers who go out in the middle of the night and you know whatever can turn fix electrical faults and storms and all so there's loads of people who deserve respect especially nowadays men like who mm-hmm. do like crappy like not crappy but like hard physical work that I wouldn't be able to do that lots of people wouldn't dream of doing and they don't get any respect mm-hmm. they're just like white men they're white men and they should shut up because they're part of the patriarchy and it's not their turn and they've ruined the world they should all just shut up while the rest of us get yeah. our turn I, I, I'll actually you know end the show on, on that note because we had uh, we had s- several power cuts uh, in Tipperary over the last couple of weeks with the thunderstorms and, the, mm. and actually, actually, it didn't, of course, get much coverage in the national media because it didn't happen in Dublin, so therefore it didn't happen, right? Um, mm. But but half the half the southeast of the country, west of the country, I should say, was 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 battered by thunderstorms and, and lots of people lost power. And the people who go out from ESB networks in all kinds of weather and all kinds of conditions, climbing up poles to reattach yeah. power cables, are heroes. Yeah. And they don't yeah. ever get any credit and they do their work quietly. And and it's, you know, I would say about ESB networks, even though we get a lot of power cuts and I often curse their name, but the the commitment of their workers, um, yeah. those are people who don't get any credit at all, while the rest of us spend our time talking about whether or not Ryan Tubbard deserves half a million quid. Yeah. And somebody who's, you know, currently studying like, you know, the vagina model monologues through interpretive dance in UCD is telling us all how the world should work. But like, you know, by God, they're not missing out on their Netflix because somebody's doing the work to keep it on for them. So, you know, but anyway. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, folks, that was that. Yeah. We were a bit ranty this week, but I think <laughs> in the circumstances, it is warranted. Next week, I promise you, we'll go back to our usual kind of high-minded, highbrow, intellectual, measured, tolerant discussion uh, on this show. But for now, um, from Poland and from Malahide, uh, that my friends, was the week that really was.